five in the eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new? It's Friday, so you know what that means. Yes, it's five in the eye day here on Colco Radio. This is me, Michael Ohajuru, welcoming you to episode 0427 of our weekly news review show. And this is Phil Woodford joining Michael via Zoom this week and revealing that our top story is going to be the seeming collapse of British infrastructure and public services as Birmingham City Council effectively declares itself bankrupt. The huge row uh, has been um, brewing over the dodgy concrete that seems to have been used in so many schools and public buildings. Five in the eye. And what's story number two? Well, it's the giant banking group HSBC prepares to leave its flagship offices in Canary Wharf. We ask about the future of these kind of buildings in the post-COVID world, where patterns have work, patterns of work have changed. Is the office dead? For our third story this week, Michael is worried as old school landlines are going to disappear in 2025. Unless you're connected to via broadband, you won't be able to pick up the dog and bone. Well, for our fourth story, it's truly barking mad. It's about the Danish dogs who were brought in to take part in a Mozart concert. That Mozart is in inverted commas. We'll come back to that. And finally, to wrap up the show, Dunkin' Donuts reckon they've uncovered what your coffee drinking habits say about your personality. I can't wait to expresso my opinions on that one. Who writes this stuff? And that's this week's Five in the Eye. Five in the Eye. Okay, well, our top story this week um, is the news that a very large council in the UK, Birmingham City Council, which uh, serves around a million people, um, has in effect declared itself bankrupt. Uh, It took a decision earlier this week to issue what's called a section 114 notice that is saying actually it doesn't have the resources anymore to balance its books and it follows in the footsteps of a number of other authorities like Woking, Croydon and Thurrock. Um, Now I mean we're talking here about probably the biggest um, authority so far to be affected Michael it's um, the one that hosted the, the Commonwealth Games last year And um, the notice means basically that anything other than essential spending is going to be frozen. The backdrop to this is that local government has lost about 40% of its revenue since the coalition government came to power in 2010. 40%. And remember, this is that the area of government that runs our local schools, that runs the social services, that does the waste collection, that does the recycling, that looks after the local roads and, you know, critical parts of our everyday life. It's happening at the same time in the same week, Michael, when there's been such a hullabaloo over this concrete, this aerated concrete, which people... uh, have suddenly realized is uh you know a disaster even though we 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 knew from the 1980s it was already failing and that you know that some of the, the some of this stuff that had been put it back in the 50s was already failing in the 80s here we are um almost two generations later and we've suddenly decided that schools are in danger of collapsing on the kids that prisons are in danger of collapsing on the prisoners i mean the chaos reigns and it's almost like britain 
is creaking, Michael. The, the, nothing works anymore here. Phil, the, 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 what can I say? I, I, I find it totally exasperating because the pigeons have come home to roost, if I can make a very poor metaphor, because both parties have failed us here, yet both of them are now picking at each other. You know, I, I was really impressed when I heard that the Labour government had a, a schools building programme. I thought, great. And then you heard, they heard that the Tories stopped it. Not stopped it, they, they courted it, they killed it. Mm. And and so the, so right now, the, 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 on the surface, you see, it's all about the Tories. Why didn't we invest in these buildings? But then, no, the issue is, well, they didn't do it because it was, do you remember public finance, public private finance packages that, that, that Labour were, were, were giving out left, right and centre, mm. which were just terrible packages. They were. There was, at one stage, it was, what, £300 to change a light, burger, light bulb in a hospital. So Labour, well-intentioned, looking to looking for funds to develop infrastructure, had to turn to um, to, to the city, and then and then the, then the toys when they come in say we're not going to pay the city this this the problem Phil and it's it's simple here well, I'll say simple we can't handle big infrastructure problems pro- infrastructure projects we always look for the easy cheapest way out. Both parties do, and as consequences, there's this rack stuff. There's what was it? I, I tried to write it down. RAC. Did you write it down? This concrete, aerated concrete. It's got a shelf life of twenty years. Mm-hmm. So these buildings had inbuilt depreciation in them, so they had to be replaced. Yet the Tories said we're not going to replace them. Labour had the plan. You know, it was wrong. We don't do it, Phil. I know I'm right, I'm going on a bit here, but Phil. We got to get these infrastructure properties bigger. If if you look at, um, we're going to talk about in Canary Wharf. We'll come back to Canary Wharf. But the issue is, we got to understand how we manage big infrastructure. HS two, for instance, you know, the third terminal or the fourth terminal, a Heathrow. We do, we 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 can't handle them, Phil. We've got to get on. And last point, Phil, don't turn them into party politics. Us versus them. Tory versus Labour. It's nonsense. You, you you know a plague on both your houses. No, I mean, you know, this, this, certainly this rack thing goes go, goes on and on for generations, and it was known about. I mean, I and I, I think you know there are there are questions to be raised beyond government as well. To be you know to be honest about the the companies that manufactured and sold this stuff, the the uh, the, the the structural engineers who said that it was okay to put it in, and all the rest of it. I mean, I I I, I raise questions about all of that. Oh, caveat emptor. Let the buyer beware. The government knew these buildings, or the Labour government knew they were they had, they had a shelf life. Both governments knew. Civil servants knew. Yeah, and it, it was a way of doing the thing on the cheap. And you know, it but it reminds me, Michael, very much of Grenfell, you know, where the the they're looking to get the cheapest possible solution uh to the to, to the um to the tower block and they end up with this disastrous cladding that led to a tragedy mm-hmm. and of course the fear it with the with the rack is that you can have a sudden and catastrophic collapse um and i mean it, it's particularly awful isn't it because the kids in schools they went through all that covid period where they they uh, had to do online learning and they didn't have proper classrooms or whatever and now a whole section of the school community is kind of back to square one just uh, a couple of years after the pandemic um and you know we know what a disaster it was when kids 
couldn't have the security of of a proper school environment and were forced into kind of online learning which seems to be part and parcel of all this rack uh carry on no, exactly so and, and you know what's going to happen now the government the government is, is going to flow through all the resources it can spend the money it can and no, probably... new no new money though michael jeremy hunt sort of saying yeah we'll spend everything everything we can but then then a couple of hours later we learn it's got to come out of the existing budget but but, but, but and also you know they're going to be spending money with their mates okay a big statement there phil but, but they got to because this these things whenever things are done at pace you know you've got to do it quickly the price is not going to be cheap. Yeah, I mean, not going to be pro- cheap. The, pr- the problem was was probably doing a lot of stuff at pace in the past and looking to cut corners and cut costs, which is why we put this rubbish concrete in in the first place. I mean, we did. We don't seem committed, do we, to building mm. things of a really high standard? Mm. Um, when, and when you compare, you know, I'm not usually one for kind of making sort of trite comparisons with kind of uh, other European countries and Scandinavia, but I do think genuinely that these are the kinds of things that the Germans or the Swedes and what have you, they, they just got higher standards. They expect a better quality of build and a, a better quality of finish, and they're prepared to pay the money for it. Exactly. That's what they do. But and equally, it's about a, a good, safe environment for our children. I can't believe that we're in this situation now there are children that are going to live in porter cabins next to railway stations, railway stations, railway tracks. It just seems a complete nonsense. I'm sure, and this is where Rishi, and sorry, Rishi, you, you lost it. You have no empathy at all with these kids in their schools, with parents sending kids to these schools. You know, Winchester, your background, it's not appropriate. You know, we, you know when, when Clinton said, I feel your pain. Rishi, you do not feel our pain. You cannot understand. You have no cognizance, no understanding. And I sense this whole Tory government. And, you know, did you, you know, they've had, is it five or six ministers of education in the last five years? You know, the, and the, latest Con- one, the latest one, Gillian Keegan, who was caught swearing off camera, she doesn't, doesn't exactly inspire confidence. Not, not, at, not at all. You know, so the commitment and for me, the, the problem, maybe we brought it on ourselves, Phil, there's too much politics in politics now. Too much point scoring. You know, you look, look at Birmingham collapsing now. The Tories are saying, well, it's a Labour government. It's a, it's a Labour council. Hang on a sec, Woking council. You know, Croydon council. They were Tory councils. And all local you know? councils survive on funding from central government. And that funding has been slashed. And exactly. the central government yeah. over the last 13 years has been a Tory government. So, I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. It doesn't wash with me. This is this is something that goes directly back to the Tories. And, and you know, the, the, the metaphor for the, the crumbling government and that concrete is so apt, mm-hmm. so true. It's, you know, it's your fault. And for me, right now, for them to say, first they say, it's not my fault. Like Keegan saying, well, nobody thanked me for doing my job. Or or Rishi's response, it was nothing to do with me. You know, it's not about you as a politician. It's about we the people. And I get no sense of that from any of these politicians, in particular, the Tory party in general. And it's, I I just hope that if if and when we do have a a new Labour administration, we get back to connecting with people, you know, doing trying to do the right thing for people rather than blaming the Tories or whoever, 
You know, this blame culture's got to stop. Five in the eye. Our third story, our second story, Phil. Thank you for kicking me. Our second story is about Canary Wharf. HSBC are about to pull out of the uh, Canary Wharf. There's this 45, 47-story tower. They've had enough. It's not working. They want to go back to the city. And why back to the city? Well, the city's changed now. Because the way we use the city, lifestyle, off, the way we handle our offices has changed. But and, and Canary Wharf has not been able to respond to that change. And I find it uh, deeply depressing in the sense that Canary Wharf was a symbol of Britain and the future. You know, going back to Thatcher and you know, they, when we were selling off council houses, when, when they were selling off uh, British Telecom, looking to a great, a great new future. And that was quite symbolic of it. But in reality, you know, times changed. And sadly, it's not been able to respond to those changes. And what, what concerns me, Phil, and is what are you going to do with that Canary Wharf now? You know, I, I've read one report. It's worth more if they knock it down and redevelop it. And that just seems quite atrocious. Mm-hmm. And, and that, for me, well, I mean, but what's it going to become? I mean, you know, the thing is, we don't need more offices now, do we? I mean, the, 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 there is this whole cultural shift. I mean, I know that in the city, particularly um, in in big um, banking environments and law firms and so on, there's a lot of pressure for people to come back in and work. But they've been singularly unsuccessful with it, haven't they? Um, people totally, don't really yeah. want to do it. Yeah. And then then the then the issue becomes: if you want to attract talent to your business you do have to acknowledge the fact that people are fed up with all their regular commuting and they're quite happy working from home a lot of the time. And so we've got all this um, all this office space, which is kind of redundant. And yet we've got a huge housing crisis where um, people can't get on the housing ladder. They can't rent affordably. So, so that surely, to goodness, we should be trying to turn some of the office stuff into residential but, accommodation. But I was in a meeting with some architects earlier this week. I'll talk about that another time. But And I had a go at these architects to say they are the future of our city centres. Because as our city centres, not just well, London's okay, but Liverpool, my own town, is suffering now because the city centre is, is is almost derelict. There's nobody there. It needs to be redeveloped. And Manchester's done it well. People are living in the city centre. They're working in the city centre because they've redeveloped the buildings. So here, this, the new architects of the future need to look at someone like Canary Wharf and turn it into a what's it? A shopping and leisure destination with some wonderful living environments around it. And that takes a whole new way of thinking, well, architectural thinking. Phil, can I just finish? The, the, the point the architects made was the problem is not we the architects. The pointy finger goes to the developers. Mm. The developers have to have the vision to take that and make it something new. I really don't know what's going on in the minds of some of these developers because you you know we we still see new office developments even though we know that there's the demand for office office space is has been in decline since the pandemic and I can't make much sense of that and we know that they're only interested in um, creating luxury housing, which has a premium price attached to it. They, they're only forced basically at gunpoint ever to create any kind of social housing or affordable housing. And then what's classed as affordable is often not affordable to anyone on a real world income. And 
it, it's almost to me like nothing that gets built anymore seems to have any need or social purpose attached to it. Bill, you are on the money. And that's why I had a go at these architects. You literally are the future in redefining our city centers in spaces like Canary Wharf, create, making them living environments. Now we know these are office blocks, which weren't meant for, for to have toilets and kitchens and all the stuff that families need. But that, that that's the magic of architects. That's what they do. They create a living environment. And that's what I'm looking for them to do so that we can convert, convert these spaces into, you know, leisure, leisure and um, leisure and shopping and living destinations. People want to be there. And let's get creative. I think it'd be wholly inappropriate if we abandoned it to the developers to knock it down and to create some other, you know, some high-value living space by the Thames for, for, for some wealthy elites some billionaires from the other side well, I mean, of the planet. I, I, I fear that's all that will ever happen unless there's an intervention uh, from government. And you'd never see an intervention from this government um, on, on that. They seem quite happy for things to go on their own sweet way. And um, they, like you say, Sunak has kind of no real understanding or empathy with the, the position that most ordinary people are in. Well, well look, the, the government is invested in that. You know, the, we, we've got the Elizabeth line there, the... the um, the um Elizabeth, Elizabeth, the 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 um I'm getting, I'm getting, railway and no no I'm getting obsessed with Queen with, with Queen Elizabeth because we got we got the Jubilee line which celebrated Queen Elizabeth and we got the Elizabeth line there so it's, so it's a tribute to Queen Elizabeth no but the point being it's a great we've got we've got communications in there the government has paid to put in the developers didn't yeah. pay for that to be put yeah, in yeah you know so it's there we we we, we, we want to get something back from that investment for the people and make it a good place for people to be. Do you, you know, think? Do, do you think? Uh, just you know, coming full circle on this. Obviously, the reason HSBC are moving out is they can't justify this as an office block anymore. The overheads are running something like this when so many people are doing hybrid, what so-called hybrid working or or working from home. I mean, do you actually think that this this will change and that um, people will rediscover office environments, Michael? Or do you think that has now? gone the boat has sailed covid changed everything i'd like to believe that a visionary government will put things in place put tax breaks in place put whatever's in place to 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 create our city centers which are fit for people to live and work in and that's something government needs to do some finessing in tax laws and then joint corporations but if we leave it to the developers you know it's, it's just at the end of a gated community with a gated community with their own public infrastructure. You know, can you imagine you, when you come up the tube at Canary Boy, I'm sorry, sir, you you don't live here, so you can't get off the train here. No, no, we, we can't have that film. The government needs to act and do something, you know, to 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 to, to create an, the living environment of the future because it changes there. We've got to respond to the change and be appropriate. Five in the eye. Story number three this week is about phones because landline services are going to change in the UK from 2025. So the old system is going to be switched off and landlines will use broadband to make calls. So if you're, you know, there's a, there's a small proportion, I guess, of the population now who will uh, have a landline that um, 
works in the old-fashioned way this uh, based on um the old copper network um which te- given its technical term is is called public switched telephone network um and uh, they don't have broadband it's a little bit like when uh, i guess the analog signal was turned off on the tv michael and uh, tv or went digital and so on there was a panic about that wasn't there but ultimately um people just adjusted to it this is technology moving forward uh what, what's your take on it well I, i'm wearing two hats here the first is you know who cares <laughs> who uses a mobile who uses a landline now whenever my landline rings it's someone trying to sell me something and, and I use Virgin, and they've, they've been very good in this, in organizing the, the, the switch over. They advised me months ago that, that it was going to go to my broadband. They sent me text messages, emails, equipment, instructions, and, and, and. And I've got, and I've, I haven't, still haven't converted across, although I've, I've, I've not checked the landline. I've not used it. But if I should plug something into the back of my router and plug something and plug my landline into it. I think I'm, you know, it's a pretty the, simple thing for, for, for no, you but, to do. No, hang on a second. It's not. You, it's not. It's not because well, you, there's a long load of wire. There's wire that's got to run around the house now. You got the, the phone in the right place, which you you phone the router have to be. You got to connect the two. So it's not a straightforward thing. Well, I mean, you you do have broadband though. It's just that you've got some relic of a landline that's not connected to the broadband i mean there's a group there's a group of people who don't have broadband at all and 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 they just rely on an old-fashioned phone maybe they're people who who don't you know they're they then they don't understand the internet they're very old they're not they're not interested in it um and the argument might be well what what are those people going to do you know phil for me this is a real issue let me tell you why it's a real issue one of the things that because when I was involved in communications, one of the defenders of the landline said, the landline will always be there for you. It doesn't need a battery. It doesn't need power because it takes its power from the line. Mm. So we, so, and this is important for, you know, if, if there's a catastrophe, if there's something horrible happens, you know, where you lose your electricity. If you got off, if if you get a landline, it's literally that. It's a landline. You're connected. You can't say the same with this mo- this uh, your router because your router is connected to the electricity. So if electricity goes yeah. down, well, your line goes well, down. So you know that. I mean, I'm also a customer of Virgin Media, and I think we both had experiences, Michael, of the whole network going down <laughs> exactly. on regular occasions, haven't we? Exactly. So- oh, we're sorry to report. We, we we're doing our best to re- 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 recover your services. Please please call back later. We'll send you a text message. Come on, man. So in some ways, we've moved on and we've all got mobile phones now, which are hopefully powered up and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, that's a little thing from the past that was a good thing, particularly for you know for for those people who don't have uh, mobile phones or is not as technical as can plug it into the back of a router or what's a router, you know. So it's a, I guess it's one of those things. You know, I don't think a big thing is made of it because it's it, 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 it was the die was cast years ago that the landline is finished. Get over it, you know. I, I, I find it deeply sad, you know. Remember, because back in the time, remember the days you used to advertise the landline. You know, it's good to talk. 
Yeah. <laughs> he wanted to get people in, in, in the days when you used to dial 01 for London, Michael. Is that right? Listen, press button B or was it A? Ding, ding, ding. And there was, there was there was there was tricks you could do to make international calls. If you if you hit the hit the thing ten times for a naught, ding, 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 ten times to get a naught, and then nine nine for a nine, etc. You could make international calls. You could scam the system. But those old those days are gone. So you know, uh, well, we, we we I'm going to say we shall see. But we I haven't been using the landline now. Oh, God, I don't know. I can't remember the last time I used one in, in anger for a long, long time. And the last time, I, I've called a couple of people on the on their landlines because that's what they use, and they tend to be older people. So I wonder how they're going to get on. Mm. Maybe you know, note to self. Maybe I should, I should call these people to see if they're all right. Just before we close and finish that story, Phil, can I can I um you know, crack a joke? I know five now. We're not known for our jokes. And five now. Brace, yeah, brace yourselves, everyone. Joking. I, I, I prepared. I, I prepared this one. Yeah. What's my iPhone without me? What's my iPhone without me? It sounds like a riddle, Michael. Phone. Dear, oh dear, our poor <laughs> listeners. I, I, I can only apologise on behalf of Five in the Eye and Colourful Radio. We'll move on to story number four. Five in the Eye. Story number four this week is a barking mad story. When you first proposed it to me, Phil, I thought, nah, this is this is stupid. But I watched the video. I watched the video. This is the Danish chamber orchestra who are doing a, a, a symphony by Leopold Mozart. So not, not, Wolfgang, your, not your Wolfgang. Not Wolfgang Amadeus. This is Leopold. And that was his old man, is that right? Who, <laughs> who composed the Odyssey himself. <laughs> part of it, part of it requires... The, the, the shooting of guns and, and the barking of dogs. And he had auditions for dogs who could bark on request and had the right kind of uh, so, sonority. Is that the right word? They had the, the, the right voice for the, uh, for, for the orchestration. And when you watch the video, it's really quite good. When you see these, these violinists and cellists all going, giving it big licks, playing away there. In fact, I may play you a piece of the music. In fact... Why not? Let's have a listen to a piece of music now. There. Wasn't that impressive? Michael, the, 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 the rhythmic... Uh, abilities of the dogs seems to be a little bit lacking. I feel. I mean, you know, that, uh, are they? Uh, could, could we honestly say that they're they're quite keeping to the the beat set by the conductor in the way that the orchestra run? Bill, you've lost the pot. What the pot? <laughs> the plot? It's about the ambience. It's about the moment. It's about the mood. The music and the barking come together to create the the, the hunting, the dynamic, the dynamic atmosphere of the hunting. So if you can't hear it, Phil, I'm sorry. You're missing out there. You are missing out. Yeah, I mean, sh- surely, surely the, the the dogs would be better suited to a bit of bark, Michael, than Mozart, don't you think? Now, come on, that that was better than your iPhone joke, listener. There was a joke in there somewhere inside. The, in the last few moments, there was a joke. Quickly moving on to story number five, Phil. Thank you. Five in the eye. 
Well, our final story this week is about uh, Dunkin' Donuts because they've done a survey and you and you just know that if Dunkin' Donuts have done a survey, it must surely be um, very authoritative. And what they've discovered is that maybe our personalities are, drink to our co- uh, are linked to our coffee drinking habits. So they were saying that if, if people who like iced coffee, for instance, are apparently the life and soul of the party. They're also the best lovers. Um, the sexiest people drink mockers. Um, and uh, if you're satisfied with life, you you tend to turn to a cappuccino. What's your what's your favorite coffee coffee uh, tipple, Michael? Well, I like a nice cup of tea, actually. <laughs> and if you really stress me, I'll have a nice co- instant coffee with sugar and milk, please. And I looked at this milk, this milk, this list from what was the name the company was someone donuts. The, the donuts. I'm surprised you're not a regular donut. Dunkin' there. Donuts. Because you're a fan of Greg's. I thought maybe I'm, Dunkin' Donuts would be on your list too. No, I'm sorry, Greg's British. British. Dunkin' Donuts. They're from, I don't know, Riptown, Albuquerque, or some sort of American thing. I'm sorry. This is not important. As is this list of stuff. American, Americano. Americano people are comfortable in their own skin. It's just, I'm sorry, Phil. We have sometimes we have measured nonsense. Sometimes organised nonsense. You know, this is I, just I complete nonsense. Drink, I do mainly drink Americano. Which so you're yes, comfortable in your own Duncan, skin. According to Dunkin' Donuts, yeah, I'm comfortable in my own skin. You can live with yourself. Only listeners can really judge whether whether these things are true. I got to say, Phil, I would have thought you were double espresso. Well traveled and well read. <laughs> this is nonsense. As for mocker, sexiest. Oh, sexist. Oh, sexist. So can so women drink mocker? Does that make? Can women be sexist? Can men be sexist? Mm. Well, <laughs> if um, if you've got any views on what your coffee drinking habits say about you, please do let us know. Phil, I, 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 don't misinterpret it, but I think they've got you here, Phil. Flat white. <laughs> Honest and trustworthy. <laughs> That's nonsense. I guess. <laughs> no, 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 Phil. Who, who decided to do this? <laughs> this seems a marketing, marketing department's good idea in Dunkin' Donuts. Well, it, said had that, it had its desired effect because they've had two minutes of our time. Exactly. We said radio, that we said radio listeners have enjoyed us talking about, about said that, and, men, and mentioning the Dunkin' Donuts brand a few a few times over. So uh, well, you know, hats off to the PR team there. I was gonna say DD, but then again, you gave them the extra plug. Five in the eye. Well, show 0427 is officially drawing to a close. Do grab yourself a coffee just before 9 a.m. next Friday morning when you'll hear us do it all over again with episode 0428. We'd love to hear from you. So if you have something to say about this show or you see a story that you think we should cover, do visit our Facebook page and let us know. For now, this is me, Michael O'Hajura, saying, if you have been, thanks for listening. Goodbye. And this is Phil Woodford reminding you to keep an eye on the news as you never know what we'll be discussing on next week's Five in the Eye. Goodbye. Five in the Eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new?